on today's episode of Brooklyn Banter, we interview our first guest ever, Sway House manager and Nets fan, Michael Gruen. Before that, Matt and I discuss the most recent Nets game as the Trailblazers came into Barkley Center and took care of business beating the Nets in one of the most inexcusable games the Nets have played all season. As always, thank you so much for listening. We're really excited about the interview we did today. Follow us on Spotify, Apple, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, let the banter begin. Welcome back to Brooklyn Banter. Today is Sunday, January 7th. And let's take a quick moment of silence for Dayron Sharp. All right, now that we got that out of the way, uh, we are recording. Matt and I are on uh, right after the Nets game against the Trailblazers. The Nets were nine and a half point favorites going into the game at three o'clock today. It's one of those games that a lot of people can forget about because, you know, uh, not playoff football, but the last week of the NFL season is going on at the same exact time. And, you know, there's probably not getting a lot of viewership. And the Nets uh, shit the bed. They lost in overtime, 134 to 127. Uh, despite it being a super exciting game, uh, it was a super disappointing game at the same exact time. So, Matt, you know, you always say you want to record right after games so you could uh, let the anger out. What are your uh, thoughts uh, on the loss? It's just... I hope I hope that in the next twelve hours. I mean, I don't hope, but there 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 should be no excuse if this is not the case that Cam Thomas and and Spencer Dinwiddie are included in a trade because for them to just I I I, I don't even remember if they went into the fourth quarter, but we're, we're we go we're up eight heading into the fourth and and they go on a twenty eight to run. We can't buy a ba- a basket, and I'm not talking about Dinwiddie, but even, like Cam Cam Thomas should be playing. I mean. It's just it's it's just so frustrating. I don't understand what Jack Vaughn is thinking, and and I'm not even one of those you know Cam Thomas stands that like wants yeah, him to play every, every minute. I, I am. You're not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but he he was four for nineteen. He, he's only playing eighteen minutes tonight. Like for what reason? Like, I'm, like I, the, I, I'm the last guy to give you know Jack Vaughn a break on this, and I'm the first guy that says Cam Thomas needs to play more. I just think with the whole stitches situation. Like he got hurt mid game and he was wearing this like ridiculous big bandaid on his face that he could barely see. Uh, that being said, though, like I generally agree with your point. Yeah, it just it makes no sense to me. Like, like I I get it. Like he got injured, but who who cares? He came in right afterwards and hit a three. So it's not yeah. like it was affecting him. But like Quick. you let you you know Brogdon's hitting threes all over the place. You know, Anthony Simons is hitting threes what? all over the place. It's just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was awful to watch. And let's talk about the end of the game real quick. Uh, I mean, not the end of the game. I'm trying to think. End of the fourth quarter. End of the end of the yeah. End of the fourth quarter, right? So just for if anyone missed the game, uh, there was around 20, 23 seconds left, and the Blazers could hold for the last shot. And Anthony Simons had the ball like the top of the key. He was just holding it, so the clock would you know would uh, dwindle down, and so they could take the last shot. The Blazers and the Nets just start doubling him with like 16 seconds on the clock. They swing the ball around, and Shaden Sharp got a switch on Nick Claxton and drove it right to the rim and scored. Uh, the following play, Mikhail Bridges ended up hitting almost a buzzer beater to send us to overtime. But Matt, any, I want to know your thoughts on the doubling. Like, What is up with that? Why are we putting ourselves at a disadvantage when the game is tied? I feel like that's something you do on defense when you're down. I mean, I get the idea of trying to rush the shot so you can get the ball back, but I, I thought it just gave Portland an advantage. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like, so, so, so for me, Bridges yeah, bailed us out right after that. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, I think I think they're looking at a 33% shooter in, in uh, Shaden Sharp from the three-point line, and I think they were just tempting him to do it. And, you know, the floor just cleared out for him, and he attacked Claxton, who had 5,000, I think played a little less aggressive than he should have because if it were me, I would have I fouled him and not let him get an easy basket, you know, because right. he, he, he wasn't shooting great from the line. Uh, you know, he shoots 83 from, from the field. I mean, from the free throw line uh, uh, this season. But I, I would have made him earn those baskets at the line and put a little bit of a pressure on him. But I, I don't mind that. I, I You want the ball out of Simon's hands. You want it out of uh, Brogdon's hands. It's just a but frustrating game, man. Like, because it's, some it's, of the Nets players played well on offense. Uh, and we've been waiting for that. Like, Bridges had his best game of the season besides that Hawks game, maybe. I mean, he, he had an unbelievable fourth quarter uh, and he was seemed like the only one that can consistently put the ball in the basket for us. Uh, and the other bright spot I'd say is Dennis Smith Jr. I mean, highlight, you know, he, he, it's every time he plays, he seems to have a crazy highlight. He had a crazy highlight dunk tonight on Duop Reef. So sorry, Duop. Uh, you got Dennis Smith Jr. Phenomenal. Yeah. He's actually not that bad. And, you know, it's, it's, you know what I like to see about the Blazers and something we don't do. They start Scoot Henderson over Malcolm Brogdon because they know where their franchise is headed despite knowing that Brogdon's a better player than them. But something I also wanted to mention, which wasn't a bright spot, Cam John, I, I bet. So if you follow us, for everyone listening, we release picks before every single game. It's called Nets Gains, and we're at like uh, around 20 to 25 you know, picks already for both of us. And I, I uh, bet tonight Cam Johnson over 14 and a half points, and he hit the bet. But just watching him only is very frustrating. He only had four shot attempts going into the fourth quarter. I mean, it's like this guy is supposed to be one of our corner pieces, cornerstones, and he has four shot attempts going into the fourth quarter against the Portland Trailblazers. I know I'm not really hitting my point right now because he ended up with 17 points, but he's not a consistent part of this offense, and it's just uh, it's just frustrating. And I know we're, uh, as our name says, bantering a little bit right now, but I think it's warranted after the game we just watched. Yeah, it's just, I mean, Cam Johnson, he missed that big three at the end there. And then, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith tried to keep it in. And then it ended up, you know, uh, Chauncey Billups challenged it. And it went back to Portland right before that. Uh, Shaden Sharp uh, layup against Claxton. But, yeah, I mean, Cam Johnson, like, you you want him to get him more involved. But, like, it's kind of what I was talking about last time is we're like, the, the, there's not really plays or, like, any sets run for these guys. And, like, they need to get more involved. Even today, like, Bridges, like... I didn't really see any sets run for him. It's more of him getting the ball and creating and getting to his own spot more than anything. You don't really and, run that many sets, to be honest. Yeah, no, I mean, and you saw a little bit like Claxton was like like playing a little uh, pick and roll with him, and he was just taking advantage of like um, – Yeah. Uh, of, Vince Carter uh, was talking about when Claxton actually sets the screen and makes contact yeah. instead of slipping, the Nets players like you know were creating a bit more. And I think the fact that he has been slipping so much this season and trying to get the alley-oop, that he hasn't actually been creating so much space for our ball handlers, but uh, yeah, but yeah, he was man. a big. I mean, Claxton, Claxton didn't have like a terrible game today, um, but you know he had he, he had played all right in the points, first game, eleven right? rebounds, which is what you want from him. But like five turnovers, the whole team had sixteen. Like Portland's in the bottom bottom third of the league in in turning the ball over from their opponents, and and you and you allow them to get sixteen turnovers today, uh, yeah. and, and and it's weird because we're one of the top top teams. Um, you know, keeping the ball and, and not turning the ball over. By the way, Anthony Simons. For yes, anyone who says Dan Thomas is on his level, he's not. He's not, and he's not even close. And I know people think they're similar uh, players, but I mean, like you know, in comparison to their talent level, but they're not at all. And it's uh, all I'll say is for, for I have two points right now. The first being, if you want to know where this next team is at, like we looked just as good at like the talent level looked even tonight. 
and the Blazers are one of the worst teams in the league, and we're on that level. Like we are, and I mean, it's frustrating, but we seem to be able to like play down to anyone's level in this league, and we, you know, it's just yeah, you know, like, it just. If you want to know turn... what being, and my second point quickly, if you want to know what being yeah. a Nets fan is like, it's the last three days where you think you're going into a game against Oklahoma City and you're going to get killed, and you end up winning that game, and then you should have an easy game in the next two days, and you blow that one. So. That's what being a Nets fan is in a nutshell this season. It's just, it's just frustrating. It is. It, it, it's just, I, I, I can't even like put my words together right now. How, how do you, how do you, how, how are you up eight or nine against the Blazers heading into the fourth and lose? And then, and then, and then, and then Jack Vaughn waits until we're down seven to call a timeout. I, I, I will. I I do not get it. On an 11-0 run in the fourth quarter, it's like JV. What are you doing, man? Like your it, job it just, is on the line, and you're letting teams go on more than an 8-0 run. For him, it should be six points. Like his job is on the line. Like you know, I don't think you know. Depending on how this trip goes, uh, I don't know if he has too much time left. And uh, I know we already talked about this on the last podcast, but you know, it seemed like he saved his job on Friday night against the Thunder because then you'd think we, you know win against Portland and then we could reset a little bit and see where this team is heading. But with Dennis Smith Jr. and Lonnie Walker back, but the Nets completely reverted in the opposite direction after that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's interesting. And I don't think the meat, like, obviously like at this point, like no one's really, you know, talking about the Nets anymore. Like they had, have been in the last couple of days. Um, but it's interesting when you start like really looking at like what's happening with the Nets and like what, like what the players are saying, you know, like it, like at halftime in in, in the uh, in the Oklahoma City game, right? You have, uh, you know, they asked Dennis Smith Jr. like, what 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 went right in the first half? And obviously, we had the huge lead. And he just comes out and he's like, starters did a great job. They came out and executed on both ends, made it a lot easier for my unit to come in and perform. And then he also credited a game plan, discipline, great scout by Kevin Ollie, right? Right. And so it and- seems like there's this narrative that the players are. Uh, only listening to Kevin Ollie, and it seems like whatever Jock Fawn says goes in one ear and goes out the other, and they've kind of, he's kind of lost the locker room a bit. I mean, I don't want to like make any statements. Who knows? But like the signs are leading towards that assumption. Yeah, uh, so. I, it's 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 it, it, sometimes you have to read the tea leaves uh, that that the players leave out there. Um, and and the first one obviously came with the whole uncle comment that like Dinwiddie put out there, and he didn't look happy on the bench today, sitting uh, basically the whole second half. Um, and, and Jock Vaughn does have a Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, fetish a little is, bit. He does love Dennis, but like it's fine because like that's something I think most Nets fans agree with at this point that Dennis probably should be closing the game instead of Spencer. Uh, yeah, no, I mean defensively, like you want Dennis Smith Jr. I, I didn't see anything wrong with that. The only thing is that like it becomes a three versus five on offense because you're not wor- really worried about Claxton, and if he even gets the ball, you see like teams are now starting to like hack a Clax and like. Dennis Smith Jr. You can lead, like if he if if you lose because Dennis Smith Jr. hits a three, so be it, right? Like you have to take that on the chin and walk away. So it, it it's like having Ben in there in terms of he can't knock down a shot. Like he can, he can drive to the basket. I will say this though, with a minute left in the game, he did drive to the basket yeah, and like tie no, the game up. Uh, I'm not. I, I hear your point. He he definitely creates a lack of spacing out there. But I think you know. I try to. I don't want to completely correlate it, but I try to look at Mikhail Bridges' performance in the fourth quarter, and I'd like to think that that doesn't fully happen if Spencer Dinwiddie's on the floor with him, thinking that it's him time. If you if you catch what I'm saying, I, I, who knows? But I like to think 
think that would you know there's some correlation in there. I I, I agree. I think I think Dennis Smith Jr. is more of a fit for the like the starting lineup, just like Ben Simmons is more of a fit for the starting lineup in that point guard role. But I don't think like. We're going to amplify what Dennis Smith Jr. does, but it's because we have no point guard on this team, right? So, like, even, like, a little, like, small sample of what we see that Dennis Smith Jr. provides on the floor, and, like, he's been great for us for, like, what his contract is, is. Yeah. but, like, we, we, like, we need a serious point guard on this team, and, like, if... We do. If Jack and Vaughn was- and Sean Marks want to, like, at least make the play-in, like, they need to get one sooner rather than later. And unless Ben... I mean, Ben Simmons is traveling to Paris, which is absolutely bizarre to me that that he's gonna f- go on a six-hour flight now with his back the way it is during rehab but i mean he I, wants to go shopping he must, i don't no, know but, what you don't, but, i don't know what you don't understand man <laughs> no I, I i mean i get that part of it but like I, I like it's become it's become a mockery of the fans like if, if he doesn't come back within the next week week and a half like why is he in paris it makes it just makes no sense it makes no sense. It does. I mean, I, listen, I completely agree with you, and we're both really frustrated right now, so it's easy to turn our frustration to Ben Simmons, but I'm not going to do that just yet because I want to focus on like the team no. that actually think plays the games. Uh, no, but I hear oh, you, man. I make, I'm, I'm making the Ben Simmons point just because like, we need a point guard on this team, right? So like, if Ben, right. ben is not going to come back, then like they need to do something about that. And I will say this, without Dayron Sharp, like, and I'm not going to say... The, uh, the injury report hasn't came out yet, but... I was watching on the couch uh, on my cell phone as my roommates were watching football. And I screamed when I saw the replay because it was really one of those injuries that were that bad. So if you don't like bad injuries, don't watch the Dayron Sharp injury. But his knee seemed to be a little inverted when he fell to the ground. So I'm assuming that he's out for the season. And that's going to be a huge blow for this team. Like an absolute, like number one point, he was most likely playing better than Nicholas Claxton was. And now we just, we, we lost him. And so Claxton's going to get more and more responsibility and we don't have any depth. And I'm assuming we're going to see a ton of Dorian Finney-Smith. So it'd be interesting to see if we're actually, like, I don't know if this team, if they want to win, which I don't really think Sean Marks cares at the moment, but if they want to make the play and there's no way we could really trade Dorian Finney-Smith and survive. I mean, maybe it's Harry Giles' time. Who, who knows, right? Uh, I don't know. He's gonna get. He's gonna really- get. He's gonna get a run. He'll, you know, like his eight to ten minutes that like Dayron was getting in the beginning before he like earned a little bit more. Right. Um, and yep. then you'll see small ball five with Dorian at the five. Uh huh. I also want to say quickly, like, uh, since we last had an episode, Lonnie Walker has returned, yep. and he hasn't looked like uh, himself. Nah, he's played less than ten minutes. I just want to, you know, give a quick update that Lonnie Walker isn't Lonnie Walker just yet. Uh, he's played less than 10 minutes both games. Yeah. And I don't think he's made a field goal yet either. He's taken a couple shots though. but uh, So that's, he's going to have to ease himself back in. But, you know, when he's back, I'm hoping that this team could, you know, he, with him and Dennis Smith Jr. back, that brings uh, a, some versatility to us. It gives us more options who's playing well on a night to night and who can close these games, right? It doesn't have to be Dennis Smith or or Spencer Dinwiddie, it could be Lonnie Walker one night, but um, I don't know, man. Do you have any any closing, you know, any thoughts on the Portland game before we go to the OKC game? No, I mean it's just more of the same. Like you, you like they come out with energy. Like and, and I think Portland took their first lead of the game at one hundred three, one hundred one, and it's just this is a typical. If you're, I mean, if you're a Nets fan, obviously you're listening to this as a Nets fan, right? Like this is a typical Nets loss. Through the years, <laughs> we've seen this over and over again. And 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 the glimmer of hope that that Bridges gives us with the you know with the tying bucket at the end there, 
just comes crashing down in overtime. I think we were up four or five in overtime too, and we just blew it. It, it right. just it is just absolutely like gut wrenching. And now they get to you know they they get to enjoy their six hour flight with a loss to Paris. Um, and it's just I don't know something needs to happen on that plane. Hopefully they come together or hopefully Sean Marks you know gets a refund on uh, on Jack Vaughn's ticket and uh, and, and we have a new <laughs> direction. But I doubt that you know. I'm, trying to make light of the situation that we're in right now all right well let's make light of the game that we actually won then so on friday night oklahoma city came into uh barclays and the nets beat them 124 115 i'd say the positive sign like uh, right off the bat was that the nets just came out of the first quarter blazing uh they were up 39 to 21 at the end of the first and uh every there was just energy that you know we had in that quarter that we haven't had really all season uh the team kind of was playing like their jobs were on the line, even though like, uh, that doesn't really make sense. But they were playing with some sort of urgency, I guess is my point. It, this is a classic Oklahoma City slept through the first half game. And then they tried to come back and they couldn't because the deficit was just too big. And, you know, the Nets were hitting some shots. Like Cam Thomas played well for the first time in a while. Uh, you know, Claxton seemed like he had his best game, one of his best games of the season. He had over 20 points, which is very rare for him. Uh, you know, I don't even want to talk about this game too much because I'm so I'm fucking pissed about the Trailblazers game, but do you have any thoughts on, you know, just, it was a good win. It was a good win. Uh, that, that's all I'll really say. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have like, like, okay. See like bad shooting nights from Cam Johnson and, and Mikel Bridges. And we were still able to take advantage. Like Claxton had a great first quarter. Um, and then and even Cam Thomas, when he came in, like the, the, I think his first two shots that he took, like they ran, they ran sets for him to get him an open look to kind of get let him see the ball go through the basket after going over twenty over the last three games. So like that was perfect. Yeah. And then like Dennis Smith Jr. like whatever whatever Sean Marks told him uh, at the beginning of the you know free agency uh, like you know you're our main you're our main target here and like we want you in Brooklyn and it was for games like that on uh, on Friday night. Um, but yeah, right. I mean, I'm just I, I like I'm just fucking mad right now. Like I can't I don't even I don't even care that. Like I, my brain is my brain is just like focusing on the fourth quarter where we almost blew a, a thirty point lead more than like the good that we did on Friday night because they just kind of went into today and and you kind of see that we just falter like we had a thirty point lead heading into like you know midway through the third and then we blow it and like I have to you know sweat that win out on Friday and then today same thing it's like we're di- like our legs are just giving out and it's just so frustrating. Yeah, I will say a positive. Like, looking at the box score of the Friday night game against the Thunder, the Twins, Johnson and Bridges, both shot well under 50%. And the team still played well, which is a positive sign to see that other players on the team could actually, you know, carry the load if if those two aren't actually performing well, which they really haven't been over this last 15-game stretch. Uh, But it was good to see tonight Bridges, you know, score over 40. Hopefully he starts to look consistent. And I think someone replied to our tweet, you know, you sent this picture out when you were at the game, but Vince Carter was giving Mikhail Bridges some advice before the Thunder game, and you know he's looked pretty good since. Uh, so he actually know, that's that's a positive. Statement. Yeah, even even today, Vince Carter gave uh, he you know he mentioned it on air that he gave a little bit of uh, advice to uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, and just he said kind of like, you know, exaggerate your shooting form, uh, your follow through uh, one, one, after you shoot, and just you know that'll help you. And then he hit three threes in the in the third quarter there. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I, I'm just so frustrated at this loss. Cause you I mean, we, we are a team and, and, be, and, and we should be beating these teams and the Hornets wizards. And now a Blazers loss is just such a frustrating 
thing to look at when you're going to be this team fighting for a play-in. You don't have your pick. And, like, we can't even beat these bottom-of-the-barrel teams just because they want it. And it's all happening on our home floor, too. And it, it's right. and it's just frustrating. Like, it's something's got to give here. And, like, changes are needed. And whether that be through a trade or, you know, uh, uh, or, or a coaching change, something has to give. Um, something does. I mean, like, at the end of the day, this just isn't a fun basketball team to watch. Uh, you know, even if you're, a, like, a losing basketball team, it could still be a fun team to watch. Uh, you know, even referring back to the... 2019 Nets. I mean, I, I forget if they ended the season above 500 or not, but I know they definitely started the season below 500. But the way in which they played allowed the fans to enjoy it. Uh, and the way this team plays is really unenjoyable, to be honest, in the body language throughout the coaching staff and the players. It's just, it's noticeable. And I think they feel the same way we do right now. And changes definitely need to be made. But um, the next time the Nets will be playing is in Paris. Uh, there's a game at 2 p.m. Eastern time uh, in Cleveland. So pull it up on your phone if you're at work. Uh, and then we have uh, Miami on the next Monday. So we only have one game next week. And the next two are against Cleveland and Miami. And to be honest, we're going to be underdogs in both of them, most likely. So my predictions are we go 0-2. And, and he, uh, Jock Vaughn, potentially gets fired after the Miami game. Yeah, it's just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean... You, traveling to Paris and all that, it's going to be, you know, it depends on how, you know, people deal with travel. And, but I mean, these guys are professional athletes. They have sleep coaches and everything. So they, they'll be okay. Uh, but I, I mean, I'm not expecting anything uh, big from the Cleveland game. I, I believe uh, Mobley and Darius Garland will still be out. Um, but, you know, obviously Donovan Mitchell and, and Jared Allen's been playing great since Mobley uh, uh, has been out. And, uh, you know, Karis Levert has been great for them as well in this stretch. So it's going to be a difficult game. And if, if the Nets want to, you know, stay within, you know, striking distance of these, uh, you know, eight, eight, seven to eight seeds, they, these are the games you have to win. Tonight is a game you must win. Uh, and then the Cavalier games are like, those are the games you have to steal. And you steal one on Friday against Oklahoma City, one of the best teams in the Western Conference, and you just blow it today. And it's one of the worst teams in the Western Conference. So, you know, I'm not going to lie. Uh, right now, we're 16 and 21 and yeah. ninth in the East. Yeah. Uh, we're five games behind the eight seed Pacers. We're not going to catch them all season. No. Uh, and I, I don't think we're going to reach the eight seed. If anything, this is the highest we'll be, and hopefully we can maintain it. And after tonight's loss, we're actually tied with the Bulls at 16 and 21, yeah, you... like both nine and 10. Uh, so there's, there's a realistic chance this team might not even make the play in. With the you know the the Hawks and the Raptors are both yeah, teams gonna that be, could perform. Yeah, those, that yeah. nine that nine ten seed is going to be either the Nets, Bulls, Hawks, Raptors, and then you you know pick two of those. And who's blowing it up? Right, right. Like you you see rumors coming out of out of Atlanta that only Trey Young and I believe um who is it Trey? Yeah, I think I think they yeah, Deontay Murray. No, I oh, think, who's like safe there? Who's safe who's, there? Uh, Jalen Jalen Johnson. J, yeah, probably. Jalen Johnson and Trey Young. I think there was only two guys. And then obviously you have the rumors of like Siakam leaving, but like. You know the Raptors. You know they traded OG and they and they got back. You know quickly and uh, and and RJ Barrett. Our, Barrett hasn't been that great for them, but quickly is like a game changer for them. They, much needed at the point guard position. Um, I want the Nets to offer like that. He's a restricted free agent. I want the Nets to force the Raptors to have a tough decision to match uh, match Quickly's contract. I mean, I don't really know too much about our salary cap at the moment, but if we can get rid of Ben before that. I don't know, like a. Uh, and get someone that expires at the end of the year, then this would, yeah, that would be the only way, right? Yeah, I don't think um, we're, but, yeah, because we're, we're not going to have cap space like that to, to sign. He's looking for 20 to 25 mil. Um, so we'll, I, we'll have a lot more of those conversations once yeah, the Nets yeah, are yeah, yeah. really out of like contention and on a night to night 
the games don't really matter too much. Uh, but Matt, uh, thanks for hopping on after the Trailblazers game. And now uh, let's get into our interview with Michael Gruen. All right, we have a very special guest on today, Michael Gruen. Nice to meet you, man, and thanks for joining the show. I'm definitely special needs. I'm glad you introduced me like that. <laughs> nah, so, thank you, guys. Yeah, no, no problem, man, and uh, we appreciate it. Uh, you are our first guest, so I'm going to be honest. I'm not not nervous right now, but I guess we should just start. We should just start with the basics, right? So most of our listeners, if you don't know too much about our podcast, are relatively older in age, according to our Spotify analytics. So I wouldn't say they're watching TikTok or you know they're in that type of world. So I guess my first question is, you know, can you give the listeners to our pod uh, a little background on yourself and what you've been up to over the last few years? So it's funny. I actually started off as an MBA agent. I ran an agency called Blueprint Work Management with my partner. Um, he ended up selling to the company that represents like West Wundu and, and Kent Bazemore. Um, but I left that when he, when he was getting out of it. I, I kind of left, um, went to more crypto, like a cryptocurrency called Frax, which is for $1 billion market cap. Um, and then trying to get some political consulting and then found my way somehow into social media world. And uh, started this way house and other things. And importantly, became importantly favorite punching back for a bit. Um, and then now I'm working on a couple of tech platforms that I'm excited about. Um, but yeah, let's create this to turn down. Just quickly, you know, like I, I'm 25 years old, right? So I'm very well aware of what the Sway House is. Uh, oh, nice, nice. But, so I'm very well aware of what the Sway House is, but like, you know, dads over here like Matt and just other people listen to our pod might not know what that is. So do you mind just think explain? about, think about it as NSYNC, but a lot worse. NSYNC? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what there are. It's a bad boy band. And how would you say, like, how did you go about getting that started? How was that? You know, it was around 2020, right? During COVID? Yeah. No, right, right, right before COVID. So it's funny. I didn't really intend to do it. But what happened was, is I knew Bryce from before. So, like, Bryce and I were just friends who were living in LA. I lived in Santa Monica, you know, in the place called Crypto Alley, which is a couple blocks where a lot of crypto startups were. Right. Um, I was hanging with Bryce. He started like he was like, dude, like I'm running over all these TikTokers, like I'm totally gonna use them for views. Like he had fallen off, and he, I said, you know, I think pretty seriously at the time. And then we started, we started getting to actually like them. He's got these they're TikTokers and becoming like they're pretty good dudes. And and you know, I took an interest in Josh. He, he struck me as a little bit more analytical and numerical in the way he thought. And I and always. Just for clarity, I mean, he's uh, Michael's referring to Josh Richards on the BFF yeah. podcast, if, 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 if no one knows who he is, but feel continue. I hope they don't know who he is. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, for me, I have ADDs. It's very hard for me to stick with. I like to build things, kind of get them to a place where I can pass them off. Like, I, I'm really good at getting things from zero to three. I don't really get things about like, that. I, I'm way too ADD to get things about that. So... You know, it's it's that's my my habit tends to be like a year and a half, two years in the past. Um, it's not good habit, but it's my habit. So that's that's awesome, man. That's awesome, Matt. You wanna you wanna hop on? Well, yeah. and the guys were all on tour together, so they kind of pick themselves and I didn't pick on so great. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, Mike, uh, great, you know, great to meet you. Um, you know, g given everything, obviously, you just told us, um, I'm, I'm interested, in, like, how did, like, are you a Nets fan? Did you, be, how, how did you become a Nets fan? And yeah. are you still a passionate uh, NBA fan uh, as you uh, take your uh, talents to uh, different fields? In, so I'm a huge Nets fan. I'm a huge cool. Nets fan. I, okay. I, my first job ever was with Jason Kidd. He wrote me my college recommendation letter. 
Yeah, that'd be awesome. What would he say? Like, you have a good assist to turnover ratio? It was, it was, it was, it was funny. Jason's one of the most misunderstood people ever touched basketball. Like, a genuinely misunderstood person. But, he, no, it was more like his assistant wrote it on his behalf and he signed it. But he, he, was, he was always, like, very, he was always very, very, very respectful of, like, hardworking people. Like, he's an interesting cat, put that way. One of the most interesting basketball players that I ever met. Um, like I, that was my, literally my first job. I was like 12 years old, like a volunteer for a charity. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, it, his wife is back in Portugal. It was like, yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. Nice, nice. So you started as a New Jersey Nets fan, I would assume, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say the same here. And one of my favorite Jason Kidd moments, as most Nets fans know, is when he told Tyshawn Taylor to bump into him to spill the Diet Coke. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was at, I was at that game. During yeah, that yeah. I was the box. I was at that game. That was genius. He was way ahead of the curve. Uh, it was, that was not yeah. genius. He got caught. I mean, yeah. well, yeah. Cam- camera. <laughs> you can't get caught no. and be a genius. It doesn't work like that. You know, that's, it's like... that's fair. No, I mean, look. Uh, you know, I've been New Jersey Nets fan since, you know, about eight years old. Sam Cassell was on the team, Keith Van Horn, Gatling, all those guys. Yep. And I mean, if we're, if we're going to talk about Jason, like nothing more like exemplifies like the player that he was uh, after, you know, getting those that knock to the head against the Hornets in, in the 2002 playoffs, I believe it was. And, you know, he just kind of after that kind of just took the team on his back and brought us to the finals. And yeah, not clean up. Yeah. Yeah. Not on his back enough. I know. What about you know VC is getting nominated now for the Hall of Fame? Like, like I, I, I remember like vividly, you know, all the VC three moments. So it's a good time when Gary Sussman used to yell in the in, in New Jersey. And, and I, yeah. I remember. It's, it's it's funny because like I remember exactly where I was when that Vince Carter trade went down. Uh, and it's just like yeah. one of those things that you're just like, wow, we just got. Yeah. You know? Um, but I yeah, the, the, yeah. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, you go. No, I was gonna say like it's just one of those things where like you wish it just all worked out. And... It's like nine eleven. It's like everyone remembers who they were. Exactly. Like yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And yeah, and yeah. I remember and, you were three years old, grew in on nine. I remember that trade. I remember the, the Paul Pierce, the Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett one. And I was just like, what the hell is going on? Right. And I saw that trade. I was like, are you guys on a fucking like? What are you, what are you guys tripping on? Like, what kind of ass are you guys doing? Yeah. Billy King needs to be the worst. It must be the worst game ever. I, I, he's the Wilbons, but doubled. Yeah, I, I've never met someone be so dumb. Like, I, I, the thing is, he's so arrogant too. I, like I used to, I went to him like talk to him, and he was so arrogant. It was like you, you, you don't understand. I'm like, what do you mean I don't understand? You don't. I don't pay old people. Like it's like it's like common sense is you don't hire people that belong in retirement. Yeah. Um, and like, I, and also, Chris Humphreys. Like, what the fuck? What are we? What are we? Just, like, what are we doing? Yeah, when the Jets, like Jets, sucked. I mean, it was awful. It was just an awful trade across the board for an right. awful team. Yeah. I, remember, I remember the big sign outside Barclays, and it was so cool. Yeah, they were so shocked. It was like, it was almost like bragging about being shit. It was kind of odd. <laughs> Billy King, uh, you know, definitely had the pressure from Prokhorov to make the Nets relevant. And no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Billy King's just an idiot, and so is fucking. Well, I'm fucking not gonna, whatever. I'm, I'm talking about, but. I'm not no, no, you're good. With you that Billy King's an idiot, so I'll just you Billy know. King is an absolute dumb fuck. Look, <laughs> it's it's it, when especially when when it all happens, like it, you just ask yourself why. I mean, he 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 made bad trade after bad trade, like the Gerald Wallace trade for yeah, a lot. Exactly. It's like you can't defend, you can't blame Prokhorov when every trade the guy ever did was bad. But the like, thing, like and, he needed to make everything worse. They were like, "This is a fair trade." No, I got to add something to it just to make it worse. Like he doesn't, 
I almost think he was a double agent. Really <laughs> and 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 Danny Age and Danny Age, I forget I forget the assistant general manager's name uh, in Boston. Yeah, Steven, okay. Brad? No, mm, no, it who? wasn't Brad. Who was it? Who was it? Yeah, but I, I well, while while you while you uh, look for it, but like uh, I, I know that he kept on telling like just call call Bobby Marks and ask ask if they want to include one more pick, and and I think he did that for like three years. So like they included in a swap, and then obviously the Jason Tatum pick that that well turned out to be Jason Tatum. Um, out of don't remind me. After, don't remind after, me. After you know the trade was already basically agreed upon, they were like Ainge was just like inching, inching more, and like Billy was just like, yeah, okay, well, we're getting Paul, we're getting no, Paul I, Pierce and Kevin Garnett. I'm telling you, I think he was a double agent. Yeah, well, uh, Gruen, <laughs> you mentioned Gruen, you mentioned before that you knew Jason Kidd, and I'm not surprised that you you know had some sort of relationship with a guy like that because I actually. Uh, was, you know, just doing some background on you, knowing you were coming on the podcast. And I noticed there was a Forbes article written about you, uh, published that said that you are the guy that knows everyone, right? So they, do you... They lied. They lied? <laughs> I don't know everyone. <laughs> well, I was just no, going to ask you, know, we are a Nets podcast, right? So besides Jason Kidd, do you have any uh, good relationships with anyone that, you know, maybe a current player, a former player, or just, you know, on Over the, the years, I've had a lot of good ones. I, I don't really keep in touch as much anymore with them, but, like, bro- I mean, Brooke and I... Knew each other pretty well. I, I took him to Goth- the Gotham set uh, a couple times. He's a he's a freak. Like he, he's even like figures and stuff. He was so he, he's so funny because he's such he's like a little kid and, and like in a huge body. Um, his he's also his when you call him his like ringer is weird. Like he doesn't have a regular ringer. <laughs> I don't know. The guy's like an interesting. Is it the orchestra one? Is it the orchestra? Do you know what I'm talking? I can call him and find out. I haven't called him forever, <laughs> but um. So, like, he randomly, like, he randomly didn't hang out with celebrities. Like, he, he, like, didn't, like, like, his one friend was this guy who worked for the Glazers. Like, who owned, they owned the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Manchester. <laughs> like, it was, like, yeah. this one random dude who, like, was paid, like, a lot of money to be their assistant and never worked. It was, like, an odd crew. And he was the coolest guy ever. Like, they were, the whole crew was, like, the nicest crew. And they, like, they, they were nerds. Like, it was, there was no, like once he left the arena, there there was no sign of him being like the the Brook Lopez that people know. Like he was like a totally different human being. It's kind of cool. Like he would randomly call me. Like it was like it was he's like, like a like, comic book nerd, right? He's like a superhero comic book guy. But yeah, but he doesn't take himself seriously. Like there's a lot of celebrities that like are comic nerds, but they're weird. Like like they're like very stuck up. He's like the opposite. He's like when you, he's like a giddy kid when you're right. When he's outside of the when he's outside of the arena, he's a totally different person. He's like a giddy kid. I'm sure. I yeah, mean, he's he's definitely I mean, one all time Nets leading scorer. So a fan of yeah, yeah. That's yeah, like a, it's always a fun fact on like you know yes trivia like who's the Nets all time leading scorer and people are always shocked that it's still uh, Brook Lopez. But uh, he also has an Android, which is red flagging a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that is a red flag. He's that's, one of those guys. Like he's one of those guys. Yeah. He'll never have an iPhone. He goes against against the current. <laughs> well, I'm I'm a. I'm personally happy. Like, you know, he was almost out of the league for a hot sec when he was on the Lakers getting paid the minimum. And now he's out here getting multi-year deals for like around a hundred million. They so. fucked up his leg. I mean, the Nets really suck. The Nets have a history. The Nets are like, I don't even know what the like, I was thinking. Like, I, I genuinely, sometimes I wonder, like, I mean, the, the, the truth is the whole team was not run. They, they used the team. Right? Like, 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 the Bruce Ratner was like, yep. look, it's their, their property. They do they want. But they used the team for their own leverage. And it was not about the team. Right. right, and that we we were basically just taken for a ride. That's what it was. The whole that whole movement was them trying to gentrify an area that like didn't work. So it's a failed project. Like that's why everyone's like defending the dirt the move. It's like the, the the false dichotomy that everyone makes is like it has to have been Brooklyn, right? Which is bullshit. Yes, they needed to rebrand. They needed to move, 
But there's false dichotomy that I found that people have, which is like, they think, oh, it's frequent with pumps. It's like, no, there's a lot of other places around the globe you can move. You know, like, honestly, yeah. like, Nashville would have been a better freaking place. Frankly, if you want to try to market, go to Nashville. Like, right. you know I mean, like, like, this whole notion that you have to, like, Jersey or Brooklyn is, to me, is so idiotic. Um, yeah. I would have built the Meadowlands. That would have been me. If I, if I had the team, I would have done Meadowlands. But, but 100%. Mike. Uh, do do you think do you think that uh, and and obviously we saw your opinion on Twitter uh, last week I believe it was do you given all of that and they kind of took it for a ride and Bruce Ratner was kind of just like you know a little rat you know it is in his last name uh, with the whole Brooklyn yeah he's not a rat he told everybody he was pretty straight up well yeah Um, but but like outside of that do you think the move to Brooklyn will pay benefits in the future after they get a couple decades in the community. Versus what, though? Again, that's the false dichotomy fallacy. It's like you're assuming, I mean, presumably you're assuming that the other option was stay where they were, which wasn't an option, right? They couldn't do that. But Correct, I think everyone yeah. agrees that was not the option, right? Like, yep. my point is, like, there's the dichotomy fallacy that it was that or <clears> Brooklyn <throat> is silly. Like, why, what makes you believe yeah. they could, wouldn't have moved somewhere else? I'm not saying they just stayed in, like, random town Jersey that I want to take the games. They obviously needed to make some sort of, like, bomb move. Do you think? Do you think? Do you think a move to Newark would have been better? The, the reason why, like, I think, I think the move very simply needed to be to Meadowlands. Clearly, in the story. Yeah. The fact is, the Jets and Giants, no one thinks of them as New Jersey. Nobody around the globe. Yeah. Even though they don't play in New York, they, they should have fed into that thing. And a part of that system, package those up. I mean, look at like you look at Philly. The reason why Philly does really well is like, oh, in that little vicinity, you got to yep. go there and they have like their club and like it's all Ruben yeah. ran. Like Mark, Michael Rubin's like powering it. Dude, Philly games are like have always been crazy. The owner of the so twenty, the the group that manages the Devils also manages the Sixers. Yeah, and yep. the guy named Scott O'Neill was a CEO. He's a brilliant. He's one of the best. I'd say the best CEO in NBA history. That's what I know of. Um, and, and he turned the place to a popping fucking place. And he just he knows how to take shitty teams and make them pop because there's an art to it. Right, your armor's biggest idea was inside out jerseys. Like, <laughs> didn't work very well. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. go hard, like I mean, I, the slogans were so dumb. Like I, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I remember, like I'm like, this guy really doesn't like. Yes. Like you don't like Nets level, dude. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm sorry, the Nets slogans are the worst of all time. <laughs> like I, I, I've seen some really bad slogans in my day. Like I, I've been a part of some really shitty shit. The Nets like always top it. I mean, like legitimately. And now they have Atari Airways Lounge. Like what the fuck? Atari? <laughs> like, what, what are we? Like what are we doing? Well, like, Calvin Klein the guitar, and it's like, yeah, but we made it nicer. It's like, dude, no one likes to say the Guitari Lounge. Yeah, let's, I mean, let, all right. Well, I mean, we 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 obviously know how you feel about the move to Brooklyn. Like, wait, wait, it's not yeah. even a move to Brooklyn. It's like this, it's like the whole notion that it has to be that move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's like, that stupid. That stupid Nets guy. I found out later. He's some some bullshit NBC analyst who is like fifty five years old and used to be a, like a national security analyst on NBC. And Peacock and like is is a miserable fuck. If you go look at his actual his other Twitter, his real Twitter, he's more miserable. So that's really? why it's like so I feel bad. Yeah, I feel bad. Honestly, like, well, nah, uh, Michael. Uh, well, speaking, let's let's stick on the current you know Brooklyn narrative. Now that we are here, and I know you haven't been watching a ton of basketball this, this year, but I know you know who's on the team, and I'm sure you know. No, I, I don't know half the team. Like it, it looks like they trade changed every freaking month. Well, <laughs> yeah. Just to give you a rundown, just to give you a quick rundown, we have like Mikhail Bridges, we have Cam Johnson. Yeah, yeah, uh, You know what happened with the big three, so I'll just give you a double question then. What are your thoughts on what happened with the big three, and how do you think Sean Marks kind of got out of it? I think that Sean Marks is the most, most, like, inconsequential GM that's somehow inconsequential. 
I like I don't understand like how he was ever considered a success. Like the Nets were startups, they'd be very rich, they have a lot of exits. Um, but the Hollow wins. And in fact they 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 underperform every year. Like he's not had it well, what's it, what year would you call successful in the Sean Marks era? None. The twenty granted the twenty nineteen year, let's let's come up. I mean, that year we took this team that was supposed to be one of the worst teams in the league and we i'd say that team created brooklyn as some sort of destination site maybe that's not true and just kyrie irving wanted to come here and like no matter what was oh going he on. wanted to come here so what so we can go kick jews out of the stadium and like say a bunch of dumb shit like whoa whoa wait. yeah like, dude kyrie irving made everything about kyrie irving like let's be real kyrie irving yeah. was team kyrie irving made the nets a joke so like, who, like, who, who would you, you're in brooklyn you can't make fun of jews in brooklyn period business like i don't care if you anything else Business. You don't do that. Kyrie yeah. Irving lacks what's called common sense and like didn't help the team in any way, shape, or form. Kevin Durant, like the other thing is Kevin Durant's manager is Rich Kleiman, who is Jewish. It's like yeah. the, you you knew there was a, a, Kevin's best friend. There's going to be clashes that way. Like what the fuck? I mean, hey, James Harden. And I have a whole bunch. I, I, I'm really good friends with Tillman Fertitta, who owns the Rockets. So James, right. I already knew the story with. I was like, good luck. Um, Quick, quickly, I, I, quickly, how you know you're you're going on a little rant here? How do you know Tillman? So it's all, I can't even talk. I actually can't say this story. It's, I, I, I did. I did a deal with him. Like I, I helped him out with something. Um, nice. Nice. Uh, like it was, it was his book promotion, and it's kind of like the publisher didn't end up doing their job. I ended up having to come in and do it, and we become actually. It's funny. I Portnoy's staying at his hotel right now. I just set them up. Um, oh. He's staying. He's staying with. He's staying at the at his hotel for the NCAA tournament. Um, but, but yes, in general, who would you blame for the demise? So I went. So I went with Harden to the to the World Series game. Remember the World Series? We were sitting with, the, the, with him and Westbrook, yeah. where they did the yeah. face. So oh, yeah. we were we swapped seats like, every like half an hour, basically. So like those were Tillman seats. So I was sitting there for half the game. That's, That's awesome. That's good, awesome. Good fun fact. So but, like, we, but the thing with Tillman, he's still great because he gives you a bad. He like wants you to use it. Like some owners are like, oh, I was like, stay low key. Like don't like don't fuck around. He's like, no, fuck around. Like he wants you. He wants people to know like. These people are my people. They do what they want, and it's like very cool because you get to do every, you literally whatever you want. So like, yeah. walk, you can walk into locker rooms. Like, there's no rules. Well, and it, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he's a he's a cool guy. He sounds like a cool guy, but he's, he's actually bad, like, most bad. He's the coolest. Guy. I know you're not been following too much, but the Rockets are actually uh, doing pretty well in the sense that they have the Nets coach and Ime Udoka. We tried to hire him, and they stole him from us, and then. Uh, yeah. they- they also now own our picks from the James Harden trade. So, uh, you know, um, it's, a, it's a double whammy. And we actually played them last week and they killed us and they own our picks and they have our coach. So you know, good for Tillman. Tillman. Tillman's the kind of guy that like, I would never doubt. Like, he, he's, all, he's just not a guy you want to doubt. Like he somehow, like I remember during COVID, everyone's like uh, in the restaurant industries are dead. Somehow he gets himself and doubles his revenue. It's like, I don't know how, why or whatever, but like that family, that bloodline seems really good. Yeah, like, if you're gonna marry into that bloodline, you're probably sad. Like they have like four billionaires, self-made, each separate industry. It's like pretty good. Not bad. Not bad. No, they're all cousins. Like, they, and they don't even know each other that well. What's the best part? Like, tell me, do you know them? He's like, eh, a little bit. Like, and they're they, not even that close. And they own the and they own the golden golden nugget as well, right? The casino. Tillman owns the golden nugget. Yeah, yeah, yeah Tillman. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No one wants to say they're Vegas, so that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. I like, it's only good for life is beautiful festival out there, there, it's right out, right outside. <laughs> so uh yeah. Gruen, do you have any do you have a favorite memory growing up being a Nets fan maybe like a, a game you went to or uh you know just a season that was your favorite like uh any particular moment in history where you're like yeah so yeah, was was no one would go to the season ticket events ever so like that's how I got to know that's how I got to know kids like I 
he was like literally like, like they were doing some sort of like food tasting with like different players and whatever and like nobody would be there so like i had every player for the entire time i was there so like wow. literally i just harassed kids but, like the player gave me his like agent number at the time like, agent gordon like harassed the agent and and so that's like Porsche. Porsche, like it's like yeah you want to volunteer like sure um and like allowed me to start you know use their name obviously but also just should be interesting here because there's some people who's great too like they're all fans like just you know, really genuinely good family you know, and obviously he's had some like issues but he's a good guy I've seen that you know one time I was at a Nets game and in Brooklyn and he saw me in the crowd like first round and he like he, you know him he never he never interacts with the crowd he, for some reason he's like very like mm-hmm. he's in stadium he's very weird like, he doesn't really talk to people but he saw me and he like and he like made sure to like make make it my friends to know that like he knew me. It was the nicest thing he, like anyone could have ever done. It made me look like such a freaking baller, even though I'm like it was it was like one of the best feelings like, I could ever have gotten. And that was like one of the things about him. He's really like thoughtful in that regard, but also like kind of a dick. So it, it he's, he's a big fan. Um, actually, I think I have a picture of that too. Like he, him and Darren Williams both came over. And Darren's <laughs> also really nice, by the way. Like like Darren, my friend one time brought a like a drawing of him, and he saw in the crowd, like, had his agent come over to me, his agent and me, like, Guy Robin signed it for my friend. And, like, he just, there's some players that just are really good like that, like, there's some of them only do it on the camera, and there's some that don't do it on the camera. Yeah. Uh, I, respect, I respect both. Look, at the end of the day, the good deed's a good deed. I don't care if you get credit for it. Um, but the ones that do it off camera, like, generally just, they're, you know, Kevin Durant's a guy who does a lot of shit like that, like, off camera. People don't realize yeah. how, how good of a guy Kevin is off camera. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm involved in a couple things he's involved in. Deals like be a pleasure to work with, an absolute pleasure to work with. This whole team, yeah. All right, so Mike, you know, just stepping away from um from the Nets now, I, I, like I wanted to take a little bit of time to like just look at the sports world in general. Um, and can, like, what, what what what's the future outlook of like sports AI and like what what innovations can we expect like in the coming years uh that'll like just bring the NBA or just sports world in general to the next level I, I think like we're so that, that's a very like interesting f- field that still like really hasn't been tapped for some reason um I think like baseball is going to fundamentally change I think I think baseball is going to come down to five teams forever because like, the problem with AI that people don't understand is these things are exponential so they grow in an exponential curve to ever adopt these Adopting them first are going to have forever. Like it's going to, it, it, they'll never catch up. The M, the MLB is going to come down to five teams, and no other team will be competitive. And they're going to have it's going to be a really interesting time for sports because I, I think it's, not, it's going to come down to basically rich owners and like Joe Sai obviously with Alibaba, they they make models like they make LLMs models, so like they're actually well equipped to like be a leader in this. Yeah. Um, you know, like, like you want if your if your owner's like not technologically savvy, I I would be scared, right? Like, yeah. Cuban, those guys are like, they're gonna be. They're, there's a reason why Cuban sold the team. I don't know what it is. Like, it's clearly weird because if he was running for president, he wouldn't want to retain control. Like, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. The headlines yeah. are so strange surrounding that. You know that he still has complete ownership in the basketball operations, but he doesn't have ownership in the team. Like, the that, answer that, is because that, the that people really, that know is a one to one. No, thing. that makes sense to me actually because the the person that owns it, Miriam Adelson. Knows nothing about basketball. Like, she, if you know her, she's like, she's sure, like, you know, I'm sure she knows what money is. And if you, you know, Cuban wants to sign someone that puts them, you know, have 10 you, have you looked at, have you looked yeah. at her net worth? Yeah. I have not looked at her. She net inherited worth. $60 billion. I mean, she's okay. Yeah, but, okay. Um, what, is, what is Cuban going to sign? Jesus? 
Yeah, exactly. But it was her son-in-law that wanted it, right? What? It was her son-in-law that wanted wanted the team or something like that. Her kid wants her kids wanted it. Her kids yeah, want Stanford kid, yeah. and her douchebags. Like they just wanted yeah. to brag. I mean, like the, the dad because the, the husband was super stingy, like, not in a good way. Like he was not a rich. He never acted rich. Like, like Sheldon was always like a very yeah. like. What? I was gonna say they could uh, take Nick Claxton from us for a hundred million this off season if they want. <laughs> if they could afford him, because we don't. We so, don't uh, but Sheldon was not like you know the husband. If you look at the, his stuff, like. He was very into like big causes. Like he was a huge donor to like Israeli causes, like birthright, like a bunch of stuff like that. And very, uh-huh. very politics. But he was never like a sh- he was never a spender. Like he never was like never was a like a like a frivolous spender. Yeah. So yep. I think the kids kind of like you know obviously you mourn for a bit, but after you go kind of like he's got sixty million, sixty billion dollars coming in. He kind of like kind of kind of spend it. Yeah. So I, I think that's what they're doing. Like she basically said no more political donations. Like she's kind of doing some like. You know, interesting stuff because he said specifically he doesn't want to do that. Look, I, I'm not judging like whatever the families decide to do it's up to them, but it's clear that like the family's now like, all right, now we get to have some fun after not doing that for years. So yeah. like the kids are like like Stanford kids my age, like they definitely wanted an NBA team. That's a that's a good perspective on it. And Gruen, we are uh, we are wrapping up here on time, but I did want to ask you one last question before you know. And thank you again, man. I know uh, you know we've been 25 minutes in now, and so appreciate you hopping on. You are our first guest. It's a uh, you know it's, it's been a ton of fun. But la- great last one, uh, yeah, great combo. Last question: um, How do you know? Like, how, I, I see Dave Portnoy is in your Twitter bio, and you know I'm actually a big fan. You know he's obviously very famous. And, yeah. and you're in that world, I'd say. Uh, so, like, how'd you how'd you get to know him, and like, what's your relationship like with him like? So Dave's interesting. So I he started tweeting about these wiggle dickers, all these wiggle dickers. And he was referring to Josh. There's some Wait, controversy. What, I, I missed that room. What, what what was he tweeting about? Wiggle dickers. Wiggle dickers. What what is wiggle? That's what he calls TikTokers. Wiggle dickers. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, he was yeah. That's what he calls the sway house guys, right? Yeah. No, yeah. So so you started tweeting about it, and then all of a sudden you start going like these guys are like this Charlie guy. Like you start talking about Josh, but he didn't say his name. It's like wiggle dickers doing whatever. So I texted. I, was like, I saw that. I was like, I got him. So I texted <laughs> everybody. Gary Vaynerchuk ended up putting me in a group chat with him. Next time I started, it's like like you know, and it's funny because like Dave and I always got along. There's never he's. Interesting because he, he knows what he said. Like, he, there's no part of it that was fake, but he doesn't take it personally. It's not like out of the room he would like resent me. I mean, like, it was never like, I mean, he cognizantly knew he was promoting me. Like, he knew that it was good for me. Like, he wasn't, he, he trust me, if he doesn't like you, he doesn't promote you like that. Like, he does, like, you look at what he did to Business Insider. He doesn't, he doesn't say, like, most, like, most interesting, but like, he said good things around me overall. Like, that means he likes me. Like, like, you know, people used to tell me that, like, don't take it harshly. I'm like, I don't take it harshly. Marketing is marketing. I don't give a shit. Well, yeah. it seems like you put him in touch with, you know, this, the, those guys. I'm not going to call them wiggle dickers, but now he has a podcast with Josh, and it seems like it's one of the biggest podcasts when it comes to the younger generation out there right now. So Yeah. He, 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 Dave's a genius. I, I mean, there, there's no question in my mind. Dave's there for a reason. I mean, anyone who thinks Dave is a mistake, no mistake. Dave is thought out. He's smart as fuck. He's meticulous. And the biggest thing he does is knows who to put around him, right? Like the biggest skill that good leaders have is not themselves. It's the ability to know who to put around. And, and he's done that. And he's done a good job of recruiting them. He, he really treats people really well. And, like, if you look at some of the videos, like, people judge him. But, like, he's really fair um, overall. Like, when he gets mad, don't get, don't get me wrong. He'll get mad. But, like, you know, I've seen the like, videos where, like, he's, well, he'll do a deal with someone on, you know, live and whatever. And, like, People give him a number. He doesn't try to negotiate for pennies. 
Like he just goes dumb. Like he, he he's very reasonable. Like he's not a penny pincher. Yeah. Like he gave Josh the most favorable, probably the most favorable deal in Barstool history, from what I remember. And like he could have pushed back. He had leverage. He just didn't care. It wasn't about that. Like he he's not driven by the dollar. I think he is. He's really driven by like what's fun and what's right. He's very. Oh. You know what he is? He's righteously. He's righteously indignant in that way. Like like which could be a negative. He's very like whatever he believes firmly and morally, he does. For better or for worse. But I, I do think he in his head thinks he's he's being moral. Like he's like he's very hardlined with his beliefs, which I respect. Gotcha, gotcha. And you know, he does, I don't think he's motivated by the dollar when he's uh publishing that he's betting millions on a, you know on football games. But uh, you know that he he seems like an awesome guy, and uh, that, that's that's very cool that you you know you seem like you uh, used your networking ability and got a touch got in touch with him, and now there's a ripple effect between the relationships you set up uh, with him. Yeah, you know, he's content that's out there now. So you know, also uh, he's well, yeah. one thing. Also, he's very loyal, and lo- his loyalty, I would say, is his biggest. Um, is, is actually his biggest quality. There, there's, right. there's, because, because as much as he gives shit, he's also the opposite. If you need something, you need something you can call him. And, 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 and I'm, I'm very thankful for him. And he's one of the few people actually that have been really consistent. It's not about if you need something. Like, he knows if he knows, he likes you, he likes you, that's it. And you're good forever. And, and he, he sticks by his word. He's not a liar. Like, if he tells you he's not going to talk about something, he doesn't. He's, 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 he really is one of the few people in this world that, like, really does the right thing every time. He tries. Right. He's not always right. He'll make mistakes. I, I, I don't like that he does, but overall, that man puts people on his back and he cares. Like what he did for small businesses, I'm yeah. sorry, but people that hate on him, they're just jealous and they're, they're, they're losers. Like well, businesses are trying to, try to get us to flip. They try to call me. They were harassing me. They were trying to threaten me. I was like, I don't care. Like, like, what are you guys going to do? Publish, put, put your publishing behind a paywall so no one can read it anyway? Like, well, fuck off. The loyalty you were referring to that he has is uh, similar to the loyalty that me and Matt have to, uh, and probably you. I mean, even though you're not watching this, you're to our Nets team that we've been a fan of and that all of our listeners are, have been a fan of. You know, we watched 12 and 70. We watched the big three and now we're stuck in purgatory. But uh, Gruen, uh, thank you so much, man. I hope you come back on in the future. You are, you know, now a recurring guest, as a lot of these podcast hosts, hosts like to say. So. Thank you again, man. And uh, hopefully, if you're ever in New York, we could all, all hit a game together. Yeah, let's do a game. I, I still have season tickets. So does Matt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm in one of them. All right, man. No. Mm-hmm.